This is Mike Keybone, Senior Pastor at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church in Oklahoma City, and you're listening to the Practical Worship Podcast. Well, hello, and welcome to the Practical Worship Podcast. I'm Dave Dolphin, and this is a show designed to help you lead a worship band and be a leader of people. We release a new episode on the first Friday of every single month, so if you haven't already, tap that subscribe button on whatever app you're using to listen to your podcast on, and you'll never miss another one. Thank you so much for for being here. This is episode 18, and today's guest is someone who is pretty special in my life because it's my senior pastor at the church that I serve at here in Oklahoma City. His name is Mike Keybone, and if you live in the South or the Southwest, that name might ring a bell because he's served in youth ministry for the past few decades in those areas and spoken at churches and camps all over the place. But for the past few years, he's been a senior pastor at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church, and he's been my senior pastor for the past year. And it's that relationship between the senior pastor and the worship pastor that I want to focus on in this conversation. For for those of us that are worship pastors or lead production ministries, it's good to hear from a senior pastor on what it's actually like to be in his shoes, how he views his role, how he views his side of the relationship. We also talk about how to cultivate that relationship. As a worship pastor, how can you lean in from your side of the relationship to strengthen that bond between those two roles, the senior pastor and the worship pastor? And honestly, I think it's good to see what a healthy relationship looks like. This is actually part two of a conversation that Mike and I had last fall on the way back from a staff retreat. We were in this van driving back from Colorado, and I'm driving, and he's in the passenger seat, and we kind of just started playing this game where he'd ask a question and I'd ask a question and we'd shoot these questions back and forth, kind of related to being a senior pastor and a worship pastor and what's one thing you wish the other person understood and how do you do this and stuff like that. And it was our chance to get inside the world of one another. So this conversation, the one we're about to have, is an extension of that conversation from past fall in the van. It's just that this time we had microphones and we recorded it. So that's coming up in the next few minutes. But first, the product of the month is the Radial SGI Studio Guitar Interface. You probably have one or more electric guitar players in your worship band, and we're we're seeing more and more people trying to get the amps off of the stage so that we can reduce the stage volume so that the overall mix in the house is better. The problem is, is that just putting it in another room and then trying to run a normal guitar cable doesn't work because if you run that normal cable you know, to a great length, the, the signal starts to deteriorate and it just doesn't sound as strong as it was. And so radio came up with this really good solution where they have a transmitter box that will convert that guitar signal into something that can handle long distances. And then there's a receiving box on the other end that kind of undoes it and puts it back the way that it was. And you can run these things over like up to 300 feet and it uses a normal microphone cable to run in between the two boxes and now you can put your amps 
backstage or in a different room. At a church that I came from, we had our electric guitar player on the front line with the rest of our singers. And so we needed to run from that front line of the stage to an amp that was in the back at the center part uh, of the backstage area. And that run was probably 50, 60, 70 feet long. At the current church that I'm at right now, we used to have our guitar players that were upstage. They were in the back of the stage. And then we had these little cove things off to the side where it used to be where the people would come in from the hallway and from the choir room and they were part of the choir and they would come through that part of the stage. And now we kind of use this little three foot, four foot area as a place to put our guitar amps just to kind of get them off the stage and kind of reduce some of that volume. Well, when they were in the back of the stage, we could run a guitar cable. We were pretty close to that little entryway and it wasn't a big deal, but we've just changed our set. And now all of the band members are more downstage towards the front. And that means that we need to have longer cable runs to the guitar amps. And in addition to that, we're starting to use these pockets that are in the, the, the floor of the stage. And so now we're having to run through these pockets. And because of where the pockets are placed, just to kind of clean things up, it makes the runs for these cables even longer. And so now we're looking at 40 or 50 feet. We could run a guitar cable, but again, it's going to change that signal and it's not going to be as strong. So in both cases, I have personally used these radial SGI boxes to maintain the quality of the, the, the signal of the guitar and keep that tone the best that it can be. In fact, a few months ago, I was getting a tour of one of the Life Church campuses here in Oklahoma City, and I happened to notice that they were using these boxes too. They had these ISO cabinets way in the backstage area, and they would run from their the front of their stage, they would run these cables all the way to the back, and they would put these amps way in another room, and that kept the signal super strong with the radio boxes, but it also kept the amp in a different location than the main auditorium, and it was one less thing on the stage making noise, which again makes the overall mix sound cleaner. If you want to check it out on Amazon and get some more information and look at reviews and things like that, I'm going to put a link to those yellow radial SGI boxes in the show notes. In fact, as we mention things throughout the episode, we'll put links to them in the show notes as well. You can find those at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 18. And now here's my conversation with my senior pastor, Mike Keybone. Mike Kibo, welcome to the show. This is amazing. I'm so glad to be here. This is, so I, I've done many an episode of the podcast. This is the first one I've done in person. Normally, you know, through Skype or whatever and, and doing it through technology, but actually sitting at a table with someone. This is the first time. This is nice. I like, I like how you work, Dave. <laughs> okay, so um, we've been working together for about a year or so. What, do you remember your first memory of me? My first memory of you is on a snowy day in December, I think it was, right? Yeah. That, and we had a, uh, a big outing for our church, and uh, we rented out the Chickasaw Ballpark, and you can, you know, have the whole run of the place and do uh, snow tubing. Yeah. And so, anyway, we had advertised it for our church and any of their families and friends that want to come, and there's probably about 300 people there. And um, all of a sudden, I see the dolphin, the pod, just show up on the scene. Everybody decked out in their winter gear, and 
man, you guys had a great time. And so that that was that's my first big memory. Of course, I'd met you before, and we talked a little bit at an event at your church that you were at at the time. And uh, but this was that was the first like vivid memory of this is my dude right here with his whole family, and they're ready to get some snow tubing on. And what's funny is that my wife's my wife's college roommate, uh, her family, some of her family still does attend here. Um, but she doesn't, she's down at, you know, like the Southern part of Oklahoma city, but that's how we heard about it. It's like, Hey, this church that I grew up in, they're doing this snow tubing thing and it sounds fun and you should come. <laughs> and so, you know, the, it never, it didn't click with me that it was, that it was Cherokee Hills and, and, and I just met you a, mo- a month or so before, prior to all yeah. that. And so we were just like, Hey, our church is doing this thing. It, it's no big deal if you want to crash it. And so we did, we crashed the whole thing. So I remember uh, you. the first time I met you or I knew who you were is you did speak at the church I was at uh, like a month or so before that happened. And like we did like this one-day conference, like different people came in and spoke. And the thing that I remember the most is that I kind of watched my son who was like, you know, I don't know, 14 at the time. And he's, you know, he's a 14-year-old boy and all the things. And, you know, he's always... He'll hate this if I out him, but I'm, you know, but like every <laughs> single time that like when you sit in church, I can go to the bathroom. Like there's just something about I have to get up right now. The bathroom escape. Exactly. And so, and he, you know, he was doing his best just to sit through everyone. But, um, but when you got up there and spoke, like he was glued to his seat and he just, he was hanging on every single word and just because of your delivery and your style and stuff like that, like out of everyone that spoke that day, like you grabbed his attention and that's the first thing I remember about you. I knew I loved that kid. I knew it. <laughs> He's Deep a good down inside, I love that guy. Well, you have been in a lot of churches and you have worked with a lot of churches. Um, this is your first role being senior pastor, but you've worked in plenty of churches doing youth ministry. You've spoken at various places and seen what happens. You've had good examples and you've had bad examples to draw from. So when it was your turn to be a senior pastor of a church, what are some of those things that maybe as you look back at what you've seen and the various ways you had seen it done, maybe some ways you said, okay, I'm going to do this differently than what I've seen in the past. When when I'm a senior pastor, I'm going to do it this way. I think that's a it's a hard question um, without giving some background. So let me give you just a little background on that. So I never wanted to be a pastor, and it wasn't because of a lack of respect for the possession. It was exactly the opposite. I, I had such a tremendous respect for the senior pastor role that I thanked God every day that I didn't have to carry that weight. You know, I knew that as a youth pastor. You know, I was responsible for one tiny little portion of that plate. I always kind of imagined it like the old school lunchroom plates where there's a little square for this, a little square for that, the main deal, and then a little drink hole, you know, all that. And I I used to think of youth ministry as just one of the portions on that plate. And I was only responsible really for that portion. But my senior pastor, he was responsible for the whole tray. And I knew that there were a lot of things that he did, a lot of things that uh, went on that I never knew about, and uh, it was because of the weight that he carried, right, and and the responsibility, and so I just didn't, I just didn't want that, and so I would sort of passive aggressively pray, say, God, let me be able to, a good help to my pastor wherever I'm at, and thank you for never making me do that, right, and so 
in in having that perspective in traveling and speaking or being in churches as a guest and all those kind of things, there was still something in the back of my heart, in the back of my mind, as I watched this these different interactions, thinking, okay, this pastor, this is something he did that I think was really good. And then here's this guy, he maybe did something, I thought, ooh, that's bad. And I'd have that little voice in a tiny little in a tiny little way in the back of my heart, my mind go, if I was ever a pastor someday, I think this is how I would do it, or this is how I sure surely would not do it, right? And so there was always this little collection of things as I would travel and, and see these kind of things that, that I would just kind of pick it up. And then when the Lord finally called me to be a senior pastor, I started writing all those things down. And, uh, and I've got quite a collection of those things. But I just, it, to put it real simply, I just, I wanted to be the kind of pastor that, I, that I've always wanted as a youth pastor, as a church member, as someone who has been in ministry a while. And, uh, and so that's kind of what my driving force was or my motivation was. And, you know, I want my interactions to be different and I want them to be better. And I want them to be something that honors the Lord and, and helps our body grow. So what, so give me an example of one thing. Like when you said, okay, I'm now I'm being called to be a senior pastor. I'm coming here to Cherokee Hills. Uh, out of all the things that I've learned and, you know, and you collected and written down, Maybe what's one thing you're like when I'm working with staff, whether it be worship pastor or staff, or whatever. What's the one thing I want to make sure? That is an easy one for me. I wanted to make sure that every position was valued, and that every position had a voice, and it was an equal voice, and it was the same voice that I had. So that when we sit around a table at staff meeting, I want the youth pastor, the worship pastor, the children's pastor the women's ministry coordinator, whatever. I want everybody to know that they have freedom to speak and that they're really being heard. They're not just being listened to, uh, but they're being heard and and that things are being, you know, um, that, they're, that they're, their point of view matters, their perspective matters, that their input is valuable to the whole conversation. And and, and, I, and I want them, even if, if we don't do what they say or if we don't, take their advice or whatever, at least they know they were heard and it was respected, right? And uh, and so, and when we're in those discussions, and you've been with me for a year now, uh, when we're in those discussions, I think you would echo this. I think everybody's had, feels the freedom and they don't, they don't have to have to be fearful when they express themselves. We may sometimes take that idea and run with it, right? And then sometimes it may not necessarily go your way, but it's not, doesn't feel like a defeat, Right, it feels like we're still trying to get somewhere together. Because my frustration was, as a youth pastor, there were sometimes when I sat at a staff meeting table, and I'd say something, and it was like it never even got heard. But somebody in a higher position, if you will, could say the same exact thing, and all of a sudden it was the greatest idea ever. Right, and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah, I thought, hey, didn't I just say that? You know, I'll give you a real example. I won't name names or anything like that, but I uh, I noticed one time that our bulletin had a phrase, and I don't remember what the phrase was, but it just sounded really mean, and it was especially mean if you were not if you'd not really been around church, and so in the staff meeting, kind of during the uh, you know new business portion of that, I just said, hey. Um, I noticed that on our bulletin, we've got this phrase, and it's sort of front and center. It just sounds kind of mean. And 
it was just kind of like everybody looked at me, including my pastor, and it's like, okay. And then this conversation went on, went on to other things. And then our executive pastor, who was reading it, I could see that he was like, you know, man, that, that does sound. I could tell. The wheels were turning. Yeah. So he brings it up, and the pastor's like, you know what? That's a great catch. Thank you for bringing that up. Man, that's a good catch. I can't believe we were going to let that slide. <laughs> I'm sitting on the other side of the room. You know, the executive pastor is a good friend of mine. He kind of winks at me like, okay, don't die on this hill. Don't say anything, you know. But he heard me, but he had to be my voice yeah. because obviously I didn't have one. And so I, I didn't want any of my team. I thought if I ever am a pastor, I don't want any of my team to feel like that. I want everyone to have a voice, know that it's heard, know that it's listened to, and that it's valued and respected. What are some things that you think that a worship pastor really should understand about a senior pastor? Golly, Dave, I think one is there, there's this phrase that gets thrown out there all the time, and it's pastoral authority. And I don't know who invented that phrase, but I think I hate it because I think it invokes something that is not intentional, but but creates an environment that's bad. And, and what I mean by that is that the pastor's the boss, and um, and whatever he says goes. And like it or lump it, you're going to do it, right? I think when you when you throw those words, it just kind of brings attention. And so, what I would want you to know, and I hope you do know this in, in our relationship and see, and I, I think you do, is that. Whenever I'm walking through anything with you as my worship pastor, I don't want you to feel bullied into anything. But I also want you to know that there may be some things that I'm aware of, that you're not aware of, that I need to protect you from. And so I still have to, I still have to move for a certain position or move a certain thing to be done that you may not understand and you may may not want to do, but because of what I know on the other side that I can't tell you, you just got to trust me. And so I think maybe trust, if I were to wrap that up in a nice bow, is that is to just have a relationship where you can just trust me and, uh, and, and know that if I push back on you or if I do something completely different, that it's not because I don't like you. It's not because I want to exert authority. It's I'm trying to protect something. And, and, and those are the hardest moments when, because, you know, it's kind of those deals where you think, golly, if I could just give you the why, if I could tell you the background story, if I could you do this. You completely understand. Yeah. Uh, you'd, you'd know where we're going here, but I can't. Um, and so just trust me on this deal, you know? And so I think building a relationship that's, that's built around trust and when you don't see it from the same perspective, know there's some, there's probably something else going on out here that I, that I'm navigating that is important here, but I can't tell you. There's one thing I've noticed, like there's a lot of pressure when you're the number one, like when the buck stops with you, some, I think some people think that, man, that would be great. That'd be awesome. But when you're actually in that position and people are like counting on you and relying on you and you know, like you're the last line of defense, like I can have a harebrained dumb idea knowing that there's <laughs> someone up the chain that will catch it. So I can, I'm more in a position where I can take a risk 
because there's someone up the chain that might put the brakes on it if, if necessary. But I've had a little bit of experience of being a, an executive pastor, and I remember one vivid Sunday morning where um, I was a worship pastor at a church, but I also was the executive pastor, and at the time was kind of, we were in this interim. So I I felt a lot of the weight of that number one position just because of the nature of where I was. And the decision was, should we cancel church today? And because it was January and we had had, our band had gotten in, to, to start rehearsals and that. But as we were coming in, weather had moved in so quickly that it was starting to ice the roads. And the thing about Oklahoma is that, you know, we, they always joke about like, you guys can't handle snow and whatever. <laughs> this area is really prone to ice. And so it, you know, it's the ice storms that get us. Right. And so this, this weather was coming in and it was starting to freeze the roads. And some of the last like latecomers were like, it's really bad out there. Like I, I barely made it in the drive. And so now the question becomes, do we cancel or not? And there was a whole, like, I'm literally sitting at a little pub table in the coffee area. And I've got a team of people on one side saying we have to for the sake of safety and thinking of the the elderly people that you know that you know those people in your church that are going to come no matter what people are going to die if you don't dance that's this. right and there's another group of people that are like no we need to keep this going we need to do it and don't so, you love jesus well and they're also whether <laughs> this is right or wrong they are motivated by if we don't have church we won't take up an offering and we won't be able to, you know, we'll, we'll miss a week. Yeah. And we were between senior pastors and in this interim and things were tight. And that's, you know, whether that's right or wrong, there was a group of people that were like worried about that. And and I'm sitting here in the middle like, okay, I'm the authority. Like I'm the one that like when I say this, we go. And I was like, this is, I mean, at the end of the day, it was a silly little decision about whether or not we should have had church. Um and, and, you know, because of ice, but I remember just feeling the pressure. And if, if I felt the pressure on something as as simple as that, and I can't imagine what you and other senior pastors have to, like what you weigh on your shoulders. You know, the illustration I gave you about the lunchroom tray? Yeah. It's 100% right. That's That's the thing that I learned. I just didn't know how right I was in that um, because... Not only are you responsible for the whole tray, but you're responsible for the tray from the time it starts in the kitchen, leaves, and comes back, right? And everything that goes in that. And you're in an unfortunate spot, I think. And, I, and this is one of the things I hate about maybe um, church culture, a church culture that we've created, is that we've taken this biblical model of a pastor, and we've sort of added to that a CEO type of job description. Yeah. And um, and I don't think it's, you know, unbiblical or bad or ungodly or anything like that. I just almost think it's unfair a bit because you've got guys that are called to preach the Word of God. You've got guys that are called to shepherd a flock. And at the same time, they have to be the boss of support staff. They have to be the boss of the staff, right? They've got to manage all of those things and take care of budget and, you know, all the—I mean, it's a big, it's a big thing— and so, um, so I'm not sure what the answer is to it, but I just I feel like that's an almost unfair model because there's so much on that plate, right? So, and it can create some issues, but yeah, and a lot of it comes down to just that building that trust. There's something you've been really good at this past year is you have gone out of your way to get into my world and to build trust. 
And so I think I even told you the other night at your house, which let's go back a step. You've been over at our house several times. We've been in your houses uh, <laughs> several times because you just moved. Um, and that's kind of the first time I've had that relationship with a senior pastor, uh, you know, how it's been. And so, but you have put a lot of trust in, 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 you know, or poured a lot into me where I said the other night, it's like, you make it easy for me to trust you. And, and so I've always appreciated that for those that are, you know, it'd be really easy to get on here and say, Hey, you senior pastors, this is how you should do it. Sure. But the majority of the people that are listening to this are those that are, you know, in production ministries, worship ministries. So kind of in that lead up model, um, if they're in a situation where they're wanting to maybe earn the trust of their senior pastors and to build that relationship, what would you recommend that they do to make that relationship better if they need to take that first step? You know, I think that's a hard question just because every relationship dynamic in every church is so different. You know, I, I would love to be able to say, you know what, just go talk to your pastor and just let them know that you want to have a, a friendship, that you want to have that kinship, that brotherhood, you know, where we're in the fight together. And right now I can tell you, somebody listened to that and went, I could never have that conversation with my pastor, <laughs> you know, or I've tried to have that conversation with my pastor. Um, and so a lot of it just depends on where you're at and the guy that you're serving with. Because some guys, Dave, they have this mentality. I'll tell you, I'll just be honest with you. When, when I first started telling my friends and, and people who are senior pastors that I was called a pastor, and you know, everybody wants to give their advice, right? And some of it great, some of it not so great. But one of the things that I heard over and over again was you cannot be friends with your staff. And immediately my spirit rejected that. There's, because I'm so relational, I, I want to be around people. I love people. That's one of the, to me, a, a sign of the calling of God in my life it, as far as shepherding people. I want to be with people. I want to be with the guys that I'm in the fight with. I, I want that. I desire I need it, right? And so I was able to kind of reject that and just kind of do my own thing. But a lot of guys are not like that. And so I think if I were to just say, you know, if, if I had somebody from, that was listening to your podcast, come to me and say, okay, what can I do? Just like you just asked me. I think I'd say, you know, one is I would pray. Ask God to move in the heart of your pastor to help him desire those things and to see the importance of that kind of relationship. And then I would say, then take some action. Invite them into your home. Invite them to, you know, go do something. We go have lunch together or um, you know, do things to encourage them. Write a note, leave a note on his desk, right? Or just do something that shows that you're putting out an effort that's outside of you wanting or needing something. Does that make sense? Sure. Just showing, you know, hey, I'm praying for you and your family. Uh, hey, this you did a great job Sunday, you know? And and some of it, the thing, you know, it goes in your mind, like, man, if I do some of this stuff. These don't think I'm brown nosing, right? I think I'm just trying to woo them or a little bit or whatever. I'm going to need something or want something. And that's not the reality. I think the reality is that consistency over time reveals motive. And so if you're encouraging consistently and you're reaching out consistently, then I think you'll start to see some fruit. And, uh, and I think that fruit will be that reciprocation. 
it'll be, hey, why don't you guys come over for dinner this time? You guys had us over, those kind of things. And just make that extra effort, right? And see what the Lord does with it. And because uh, I think I think about in the pastors that I've had, I've had some that were awesome, and I've had some that weren't as awesome, right? And uh, and I, but what I tried to do in all of them as a youth pastor was I tried to make their job easier, try to make their life better somehow. And one was I made good decisions on a consistent basis. I didn't do anything that was going to cause somebody to go to my pastor and you know, me get in trouble for it, right? Uh, which in youth ministry is a hard thing to do. Yes. <laughs> There's so many, so many risky options out there that can get I you I just need to tell you that something happened, and it involved a student and a ping pong table and whipped cream, and you just got to trust me. You got to trust me on this one. And so that's just a disaster way to happen, right? And so, um, and so, you know, but doing things that, that cause him to rest easy when you're on the case, uh, I think that helps a lot. And then thinking of their family, I think, is always awesome. Uh, one of the things that that I appreciate is when, uh, well, I'll give you a little example. So this last summer, I was out preaching a camp in Texas. And the next week after I got home, there was a card that came in the mail. And that card was addressed to my wife. Mm. And it was a $100 gift card from the pastor of a church that was there. And it was a thank you to my wife. And he, he said, here, make sure that he takes you out on a nice date night. And thank you for sharing him with us. Okay. That spoke to me, but it spoke to my wife, mm-hmm. right? And so my wife was like, you make sure that you get on the phone, you get an email, something, and you thank him for that, right? And so uh, in the same way, if you've got a pastor that's been difficult to build a relationship with, be kind to their family. You know, send them a card, send them a gift card, do something, you know, encourage the family. And when that family responds to you and goes, okay, you need to thank God that you have this guy on your staff because he really loves our family, right? Well, that speaks a lot. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I think that a couple podcast episodes ago, I was speaking with a worship leader named Todd Fields, and we were just talking about leadership. And one of the things that that stuck out to me from that episode was that a lot of times, like leadership and pouring into people and, and, and all that is it's not like one big moment where you have like the big speech, it's little whispers. Yep. It's little whispers over right. and over and over. And so as you are working and cultivating that relationship, it's like you do that one or two things and you don't see a lot of fruit from it. And you're like, oh, well, I, I tried. No, it's here and there and there and there and there and there. And they all, these little small things all kind of build up. And like you said, like it, you do it once or twice, you kind of question like, why is he doing this? Well, mm-hmm. After a while and you see a pattern, it's like, oh, okay. You know, he must really want something, you know, uh, want something for me and right. just being able to pour, pour into them. Right. And I think so many people are afraid to give that kind of encouragement to pastors because they feel like they are, um, that he's going to think they're trying to get something or trying to earn favor, you know, and that's not what it is at all. It's just like anybody else, people just need encouragement. You know, I say all the time, even a bad dog needs to get pet every once in a while, you know? And, um, and so, but I think people withhold that encouragement sometimes because they don't want to seem like they're trying to 
gain, you know, favor or trying to, um, brown nose is the only thing I can think of. And it, and it seems like the best play is like, you just have to push through that. Like it may appear that way and they might think that at the front. It's like, and you almost like you just have to push through and let the consistency win and just keep going, keep going. Cause I, you know, cause the right motives, whether they're good or bad, always come to the surface. It All might right. take time, but eventually though, you know, the true colors show. Yeah. Whether it's good or bad. You ready to, to uh, do some bonus round? Oh, I've been waiting for this. I've been so excited about this part. I've been excited about this. All right. Mike Keyboom, playing the bonus round oh, in yeah. three, two, one. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Early riser or night owl? Night owl. I believe that with the text messages that I get. Favorite <laughs> TV or Netflix show? Oh, my goodness. This is so hard. There's two. I'm going to give you old school and new school. Old school is Cheers. Yes. I love Cheers. Norm is my favorite, dude. I feel like I totally relate to Norm. And new school is Stranger Things. Yeah. I love it. I love it so much. In fact, I'm going home to watch it tonight. Cat or dog? Dog. That's not even... That's, it's the most worthless animal on the planet, Dave. Cats are like, you know, the, you know, or like a dog is like waiting for you when you come home and super excited for you. And the cat's like, yeah, I just let you live here. Yeah, I had this conversation with my kids this morning. Like a dog like wants a relationship. A cat wants to use you. That's it. <laughs> First car you ever owned. 1984 Buick Riviera with a moonroof. Come on, somebody. I was styling and profiling. <laughs> Favorite social network. Oh, man. You know, I started out being a great big Facebook guy, but I think my favorite has definitely gone to Instagram. Instagram is, there's a lot of neat things you can do with that. It's so it's so much less drama. Yes. Favorite book every pastor should read? I would say Celebration of Discipline because it just pounds you into the importance of just the basic daily disciplines of our faith. And I think if you're grounded there, you're going to be grounded everywhere. We'll put that in the show notes so you can check that out. What's a hidden talent that you have that only a few people know about? Freestyle rap. Okay. Freestyle. Well, I, okay. A lot of people probably know that, though. That, that's probably more common than I think. So I'm going to take you into the inner sanctum here. So one of my favorite childhood heroes was the nature boy, Ric Flair. Okay. And one of the things that he did all the time that I loved was the pec flex. He could make his pectoral muscles bounce. <laughs> I can do that. I'm not going to ask practiced you to, it. I'm not going to make you or ask you to do it right now. And it's also... It's podcast. It's you podcast. Know, you'd have to use your imagination. So. <laughs> yeah, it's bouncing the pecs. I can do it. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> that's the bonus round. Good job. <laughs> all right, so... Let's flip the script, because we've been talking a little bit. We've been speaking to worship pastors about that relationship. But let's flip it for a second. What do you think senior pastors need to know about their worship pastors? I think we need to know your heart. Um, I've always felt like if you know a man's heart, you can always know his direction, his motive, um, you know, where he's going, what he's doing, that kind of thing. And uh, and I think that's that's what makes it really easy for me to trust you is I feel like it's, you know, throughout this last year, I've gotten to know your heart. I've gotten to see your heart for your family. I've gotten to see your heart for your people. 
um, that you do ministry with. I got to see your heart for our congregation. And everything that I've seen out of that is that you're wanting to catch them right where they're at and get them to a place that's better than where you found them. And that's in your family. That's in the people that you serve with immediately. And then, the, you know, just our whole congregation. And so when, when you see somebody's heart like that, like I, that's what I want to see. I'm, I'm not enamored by ability. I'm not enamored by um, giftedness. You know, those things are all important. But what I, what, what really catches my eye, what I really need to know out of the guy that I'm serving with is I want to know his heart and I want to know his story. I want to know where he comes from. I want to know where that heart came from, how it came about, you know? And so, um, so it's, you know, being able to share in the defeats, being able to share in the victories, being able to, to just share your life and, and just kind of pour your soul out a little bit. Cause I think when you do those things, you see the heart of a guy and when you see the heart of a guy, man, it helps you to, to run that race better with them. Does that make sense? It does. And I think that the main thing, hopefully that as you've listened to this, the catch, I think the, the pursuit of the relationship between the senior pastor and the worship pastor is, is, is worth it. Like the work that it takes to make that relationship good is worth it. I think the relationship between any church staff member and the senior pastor is certainly worth it, but you've got two individuals that, that are speaking into the most of what is probably the, one of the biggest things that the church does, which is the Sunday morning service. That's right. And so, you know, for me to be able to have your back and for you to have my back as we are coming together as one, because I've been in situations where, you know, the senior, you could tell the senior pastor was on a completely different playing field than the worship pastor. They were almost kind of work against each other. And as a congregation member, Man, you sense that. They can feel it when it's bad, and I think they also can feel it, and they take comfort in that when it's good. And so the work that you put in to make that relationship good and strong, I think is worth it. I think it it's absolutely good. is worth it, and it is noticeable. And the reality is, is that God is not going to put his hand on a broken relationship that's leading his flock. And so you don't get to see the supernatural work of God in that. But on the flip side of that, when you do have that good relationship and God, God's hand is on that and his power is in it, you get to see supernatural things. And, and it's different. It's different than just regular old church. You know, we've gotten to see that a few times here. Yeah, we have. And so that's a, you know, that's a really beautiful thing. And so it is noticeable. And in fact, I have heard specifically from a couple of different people that one of the things that they love is, that from the stage, from, you know, because we involve everybody. We've got a different pastor doing the welcome, different pastor doing the prayer time. We've got, you know, me preaching, you leading in worship. So we've got a lot of guys involved. And I've heard people tell me specifically that you can just tell that you guys like each other and that you love each other. And I'm telling you, when a, when a congregation, in fact, I had one specific uh, incident not long ago where someone said, uh, I just visited your church, and when I came on that one particular Sunday just to visit with a friend that was already here, the unity and the camaraderie that you guys had on the stage completely revealed how unhealthy the pastors were. Like, 
I had not seen that. I hadn't seen healthy in so long that when I saw it, it made me realize how unhealthy our church was. And, uh, and so now they're members of our church. And, and so it goes a long way. It runs real deep, and people do notice it. So we've been doing this for about a year. It was a year back in, like, uh, this is September now, back in mid-August. It's been one year that I've been here at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church. What's one thing that sticks out about our working relationship over the last year? <laughs> I think, golly, I think every day we get more and more comfortable with each other. And so the way that we kid around with each other, you know, because at first, you know, I remember... Like you'd kind of joke, but you'd be really light, like step really lightly, you know, how far you could take it or, you know, and so you were really easy at the very beginning, like, okay, I'm not sure we can joke about these things, but, but I've noticed really in the last six months that you just got a totally different comfort level. And, uh, and then also like, you know, you've heard me say over and over again, I want everybody to have a voice at the table. I want everybody to be heard. And for the first six months or so, your voice was still pretty quiet. But I've really seen you in the last six months, you know, and, and I love you say this all the time. Can I push back right here? Right. And uh, and I've and I've just loved seeing the freedom of you being able to push back on things and and just, you know, and more and more we're in each other's homes and our families are around each other. Our kids love each other. You know, they're all buddies. And so uh, it's just been able to just see you get comfortable and for us to be able to, you know, we're now getting to that point where you're reading my body language on stage and you know when you reach for that pack you know you're getting ready to flip that switch i've learned that like if we're doing like a response song i know <laughs> it's time to change on to the next thing the other thing i've learned is that when i when we're we're up there leading worship and you lean over to the stage manager or you grab the headset and you start talking <laughs> to our production team i'm like oh boy we're getting ready to go off the script and sure enough a voice comes on my in ears like hey we're doing that song again or we're going to take a break here and you don't you know you know and you don't do it very often but when you do that i i just know okay be ready for anything we're going <laughs> off the rails boys <laughs> those are great times dave and i've really appreciated just you know you know, working with you, I the the environment you created makes me want to to serve you and set you up the best way possible. I, you know, I I wake up probably it's probably not too far fetched. It's going to sound contrite what I'm about to say, but I wake up every day going, how can I set you up to win? How can I even like you know we're planning a service for this weekend that has a lot of weird moving parts. And bringing the run sheet to you and letting you be able to, you know, put your voice into that. And then when we, when we made some changes or whatever, I modified that. I put a copy on your desk to say, is this what you meant? You know, I want to make sure that you're comfortable and you feel good. And when you do, you know, because people who know me know that I like my ducks in a row and I like to have a plan and go with it. And so, and what you may or may not know is that uh, Mike here is is really good at navigating uh, the kind of the spontaneous moments. And, and so it's, it would be really easy for someone like me and my personality to be kind of stuck in the mud and say, okay, no, this isn't what we planned. But what I've learned is that I can't recall a time that when you had a moment like that, when you did flip the script and we went off, we went off the script that you weren't right. Like I cannot recall a time where I was like, well, that was dumb. And so when those moments happen, when I do see you lean over and, 
and you start talking to the producer, and I'm like, okay, boys, here we go. You know, if if anything, I want to make sure that I put systems in place. You know, like where I can communicate and I can talk to people and to be able to say, okay, so that we can have those moments, just like you feel God's leading you to go, like making sure that I do everything I can to support you in that and to have your back. So if you feel like we need to go in a direction, man, we're going to go that way. And if, you know, and if we, if we go off the rails for a second and we, and it reveals a flaw in our systems, like communication or just how something we do the next day, I'm thinking, okay, how can we do that better? Versus me saying, well, that was, I don't even know why we did that. That was so stupid. <laughs> and what was he even thinking? I want to, you're the leadership you provide makes me want to set you up to succeed and serve you better. And you do that well. And, and that gives me a lot of comfort going into those moments. Um, you know, I, I, I was thinking of it this way. You know, if I'm, if I'm sharing a cockpit with somebody and I need to let go of the wheel I want to make sure that that other guy can fly this thing. And so I think we do, we've got a great relationship where uh, if one of us lets go for whatever reason, we're still going to fly. And, and the best part is when we're flying together. And so I think uh, I love that. I'd, I'd like to take a, just a quick minute, if you don't mind, and just sort of speak directly to the worship pastors and those that are, that are leading right now in your churches. I, I want to tell you, and you may get this all the time, or you may not ever get it at all, but I want you to understand that you are awesome. You, you are so, you are so incredible. Um, I, I look at what you have to do, and I think the scripture that comes to my mind is when the Bible talks about how God inhabits the praise of his people, and what an incredible calling to roll out the red carpet, as it were, um, for the Lord, so that His people can worship, and that He would inhabit that praise. I mean, that I've always looked at that as such a high calling, and, and it is. And and you may have a pastor that values that, or you may have a pastor that doesn't value that. But I want to take this moment right here, just as a free shot with Dave, and to say what a high calling you have, and what a wonderful, wonderful calling to be able to live in, and 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 regardless of your frustrations. It is so worth it because what you do is so valuable. And so I appreciate you, and I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for the way that God uses you to impact people in ways that you don't even know or understand. As a pastor, uh, it doesn't make me jealous. It doesn't make me uh, weird in any way whenever I have someone come to me and say, you know what, Pastor, man, that sermon was pretty good, but golly, that worship, man, the Lord spoke to my heart and really set me free from this or set me free from that. Or when we sang that chorus, oh my goodness, I could just feel the Holy Spirit. Like those are moments that I, I'm i I'm your biggest cheerleader, you know, and I'm saying that to you, Dave, and I'm saying that to you guys and, and you ladies that are out there that are on the front lines of leading worship. You know, what you do is so valuable and so necessary, and I'm so thankful for you, and I want you to keep on fighting it. I don't care how hard it gets. I don't care how frustrated you might get or I mean, you may be out there feel like you're not making a difference, but you are. I'm telling you, not everybody knows how to tell you that. Not everybody knows how to let you know that. But as a guy that's in the fight with you all the time, I'm telling you that. And so keep on keeping on. Stay close in your walk with the Lord. Stay in the Word. Stay in prayer. Stay with Him. And, and just know that what you do is awesome, and I'm proud of you. So picture this. 
Mike and I are sitting at his conference table in his office, the same table that we have our weekly staff meetings at at the church. And up to this point, I've been sitting up in my chair and leaning into the microphone just so I can be ready with the next question or a quick response to something that he says. But then then he started doing that thing where he's being encouraging to you and to everyone that's listening that what they do is important, that what you do is vital, even if someone else doesn't acknowledge it. And I just leaned back in my chair at that moment and I just let him do his thing. Because this thing is the same thing that ultimately brought me here to this church. I've shared my story before in another podcast episode about how I left my previous church. And Mike was such an encouragement during all of that. The talk sitting on his couch in his office or the phone conversations where I just called for to relay some quick information or a quick question. And 30 minutes later, I'm bearing my soul and all of my thoughts and my feelings. He's, he's just good about that. He's good about listening and making you feel comfortable that what you do and what you think is valuable and everyone should have a senior pastor like Mike Keybone, and I'm thankful that I do. When I first started at Cherokee Hills, I did a series of YouTube videos on starting over in ministry. I think the first video I recorded was after about only six weeks in, and then the next video was a few months later, and then the next video was a month or so after that. And it was my way of documenting the journey of starting over brand new in ministry and some of the things that I was learning in the process. So if you haven't seen all those yet, I'll put a link to that YouTube playlist in the show notes. You can find those and the other things that we mentioned throughout the episode at practicalworshipblog.com slash podcast 18. If you've made it this far in the podcast, do this for me. Take a screenshot and then share that on social media. I love seeing what you're doing and where you're listening and when you're listening and how much battery you have left on your phone, because that's a thing. And when you share it, tag me by using at Dave Dolphin. Okay, and thanks to everyone that has written honest five-star ratings and reviews on iTunes and on the iOS podcast app. The reason why those are so important is that those reviews and those ratings are what tell iTunes to suggest this podcast to other people that might have similar interests so that more and more people can benefit from this content. And if you're listening to this from Google Play or Spotify or TuneIn or Stitcher, thank you to you as well. This has been the Practical Worship Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dave Dolphin, and let's do this again next month. Yeah, it's bouncing the pecs. I can do it.